1: Welcome to the show, ridiculous historians. Thank you as always for tuning in. Super producer Casey Pegram. Can we get an elephant sound effect?
0: Ah. Oh, Perfect. I, I mean, it just it, it's like I'm it's like he's on the zoom with us.
1: Magic. I, I feel like I'm in the Vatican. In the 1500s right now. What are we talking about? We're talking about an amazing elephant named Hanno. That was the subject of no small amount of speculation. Uh, It'll make a lot more sense if you listen to part one of today's episode uh, where we ended on quite a gambit. Noel, I believe he called it a Pope Soak Mm -hmm. uh, that won the heart of Pope Leo the tenth, And so now when we pick up today's story, we learn that this didn't just make the Pope titter with mirth once. It actually was the first step on Hanno's journey to becoming the Pope's absolute favorite pet in his menagerie.
0: He said to the elephant, he said, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And it was. Uh, Leo built a special—I don't know—enclosure is what they call it in uh, the church uh, circles. It was, you know, probably an or, ornate cage, let's say, um, and it was between St. Peter's Basilica and the Apostolic Palace, and it was open to the public, like a free zoo situation. You know, it's funny. I, I, I this is probably just a dumb thing to say, but I never think of like the people that live in Vatican City. There's people that mm-hmm. live there, and it's like a city. Uh, this is i'm mr obvious here but it just seems like that'd be a very interesting place to grow up and you probably take a lot of that history and, and crazy stuff for granted um but, yeah, people were all equally uh, taken by um, by Hano, and they wrote uh, flowery poetry. It was inspired by it. him, and um, he was, you know, a, it's, he started with a procession, and the processions just kept going, um, kept coming. He was part of all these parades. Leo X wrote a letter to King Manuel, just freaking out just like over the moon about mm-hmm. this elephant and uh you know one would imagine that the uh the gambit of the portuguese uh, paid off
1: yeah yeah uh just to step back here vatican city was never a very populous place in comparison of course to italy uh right as of 2019 i think 825 people lived there the the And In 2020, the number sank to 801. Thing is, you can only live there now if you are clergy or if you are the Swiss Guards, who are the police force of Vatican City. All the other people work in Vatican City, like 2,500 to 2,400 or so, but they travel each day from Italy. It's not a crazy commute yeah but remember we did that
0: story about the missing girl in vatican Mm -hmm. city on stuff they Mm don't want you to know didn't her family live in vatican city or was that before they changed the rules or what was the deal there
1: that's a that's a good question yeah i believe that they i believe that they did live there um but that was also a different time
0: yep no that's super interesting ben i didn't realize that that had shifted over time but it makes perfect sense
1: so write in and let let us know, especially if you live in Vatican City. We would love to hear from you for a number of reasons. Uh, I, I thought, uh, Casey, Noel, I thought you guys might enjoy a brief excerpt of the Pope's fanboy-level letter to King Manuel about his favorite elephant. Oh, please, uh, grace us. He, he says, uh, just read a part. I don't want us to go long, but he says, It was the elephant which excited the greatest astonishment to the whole world, as much from the memories it evoked of the ancient past for the arrival of similar beasts was fairly frequented in the days of ancient Rome. One is almost tempted to put faith in the assertion of the idolaters who pretend that a certain affinity exists between these animals and mankind. The sight of the quadruped provides us with the greatest amusement and has become for our people an object of extraordinary wonder."
0: And that's why they call you Il Papa, my man. I swear, you—you got more and more Italian as that progressed. You started off as almost like a feeble, weird Bond villain, perhaps with some sort of like bone condition, like in uh, the uh, what is it? uh, Skyfall, Unbreakable. Oh well, yeah, different. Yeah, yes, sure. Also that you're right, that was a thing. Um and then you got mad Italian there at the end. I love it. Um but yeah, man, this was a big deal. They loved this elephant. The people loved this elephant. It served as a very kind of centralized source of joy
1: for all that encountered him. Hanno the albino elephant, livening up parties, festivals, Ordinarily more serious processions, you know what I mean? Uh, I I believe that uh, Pope Leo even wrote poems himself about the elephant because you pointed out just a second ago that various movers and shakers in the Vatican were writing poems, Uh, but the Pope himself wrote a poem and he uh, he also wrote a very sad poetic thing about Hanno, which we'll get to, not too much of a spoiler.
0: Well, we know it's about elephant bones, so uh, presumably the elephant does expire at some point.
1: True. Yeah, Heddo is not (laughs) around now. Uh, And interesting fact, never himself got to serve as pope. There are uh, a couple of laws uh, or policies the Catholic Church has about that.
0: Now, that cheetah, on the other hand, made a crackerjack pope.
1: Pope Cheetah II, which is confusing. because Admittedly. Yeah. So so uh, let's see just examples of what of what Pope Leo did, uh, because this was like his baby. Now it was literally his pet project. Uh He had he took a famous contemporaneous poet, had the guy dressed up in old timey Roman clothing and then put him on Hanno's back as part of a parade through the city. But this thing this didn't go as planned, because the this poor guy, Hanno, I mean, was not used to all the pomp and fanfare, the trumpets, the banging drums. They scared the snot out of him, and so eventually he reared up. And this is, you know, this is an elephant, even if it's a young one, and he threw this poet off his back. Another time he stampeded due to cannon fire, He injured some of the people that were clamoring around him. And at one point, during a viewing of Hanno, the crowds got so tight that some nobles who were mounted on horseback ended up crushing the regular people to death. What? Mm -hmm. Not Hanno's fault.
0: An elephant trampling people inadvertently like some sort of adorable Frankenstein's monster? Well, the only fatal
1: trampling was from the horses that the noblemen had. Dang it, that's even more of a bummer. I was hoping Mm -hmm. that Hanno went on a rampage at some point in the story. (laughs) Well, Hanno soon found himself in competition for the favors and affection of Pope Leo because Manuel I is a double-down kind of dude. Like Walter White, he doesn't go half-measure. So he says, I've got the attention of the Pope now. And I really need some help to get some leverage over Egypt and the pressure they're putting on uh, the papacy. So two years later, in 1515, Manuel I sends another animal to the pope. This time, it's a rhinoceros. Not impressed. <laughs> ah, it's debatable.
0: Another animal from the land of India, uh, which had been living in Lisbon, Portugal, uh, and was part of uh, the menagerie at the royal court of uh, of Portugal, and it was, you know, admittedly pretty cool. Rhinos are are very uh, exotic looking, even to this day. I'm like surprised they're still around. They're just like su- they're like this, like they're like narwhals are kind of like too weird to exist, and yet there they are. And yeah, actually, interestingly enough, the Portuguese would would often uh, pit rhinos against elephants in, like, fights to the death.
1: Did you know about this, Ben? Yeah, I know it happened at least once. Okay, maybe it was a one-off. But in this particular instance that we know of, what happened? Well, luckily it ends peacefully. Uh, So there's this arena, picture a screaming crowd, someone gladiatorial. (sighs) There we are. Excuse me. So the rhino comes out, and I feel sorry for rhinos, not just because they're so very endangered, but uh, because I worry about their necks when I see them just standing around. It's like a heavy-weighs-the-head-that-wears-the-horn situation. We got there. We got, we got there.
0: I got to say, though, thick necks on those guys.
1: Thick necks. Thick necks. Thick necks. That's one of the uh, things they're famous for. Th- this rhinoceros— Sees an elephant in the arena and then it lowers its horn. It starts, you know, yeah, yeah, doing the thing with
0: the foot, you know. Mm -hmm. So I've never understood what that is, what that functions as the foot thing, the foot scrape. It's like it's charging up, you know, like it's a car, but it's not a car, it's a rhinoceros.
1: We'd need Katie Golden back to to help us understand that question. Maybe it's a warning to predators. That could be it. It's a flex for sure. It's a weird animal kingdom flex. Let's leave it at that. This intent to attack terrified the poor elephant in question so much so that this elephant tore through an iron gate, ran back to its stable, and sort of waited to be locked up. Uh, So this rhino was serious business. It was even more unique, if you can imagine, than an elephant. So in December, the Portuguese forces packed this rhino on a ship. They sent it off toward the Vatican. And the rhino stopped and made a few appearances on the way. There's a PR element to this, as there is to everything. Uh, But unfortunately, guys, the ship sinks before it ever reaches Rome. And this one could have survived. This is the tragic part. It could have survived because rhinos can swim. But this one, this poor guy, was shackled to the deck of the vessel. So he drowned. I hate to hear that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean that. I hate it. I'm upset. You should be,
0: but I'm ready to move on. I'm, I'm I'm okay now. Biting my lip though, you can't you can't see me now. I sound like I'm being insincere, but I assure you, uh, animal drowning is something that I
1: I frown upon, and I think oh, history great. frowns upon as well. Yes. <laughs> you're not great. I'm glad you're not <laughs> one of the people generally into the slow, painful death by drowning of animals. No, <laughs> good. No, nope, not I. Uh, so. The thing is, Manuel I is in what we could coldly and literally call a sunk cost scenario or scenario. That guy has ruined us. Uh, he retrieves the carcass of the rhino. He's already gone to so much trouble and so much expense to get it there. And when he finds it, the corpse washes up on the French coast. Uh, he orders people to stuff it and then mount it, and then send it off to Rome. So now they're they're saying, okay, the Pope is still getting a rhino. It's a creature the likes of which he's never seen before. It's just this one is going to be more of a conversation piece than something you can hang out with. Right,
0: right. Or at least, you know, hang up on the wall. Or was it, was it like, so you said, when you say mount, that just means, like, you could you could taxidermy, like, an entire creature, not just, like, the head and put it on the wall. This would be, like, a freestanding taxidermied rhino?
1: Yeah, I believe so. I mean, you could you could uh, put it in poses, perhaps, mm. if you wanted. Maybe have one... Uh, a hoof? Yeah, a hoof slightly lifted, right? As though warming up for a charge, get a frozen tableau of, like, terror. But we don't know too much about this rhino. We don't know exactly what happened to the taxidermied rhino. And in the book that we mentioned in part one of this episode, The Pope's Elephant by Silvio Bedini, the author does try to figure out what happened to this hapless rhinoceros. He learns that the pope sent it to his family in Florence, and until pretty recently, it was kept in a museum there. But he couldn't, you know, as he was digging through the museum's papers, uh, Bedini could not find a record of the actual rhino carcass. There were rumors that went back and forth about it. Some people claimed to glimpse it in Portugal years later. And so the rhino kind of fades into the uh, the blurred watercolor of time. But Noel, we do know what happened to Hanno, and it's it's not. Um, it's not a super happy ending, but it's a very weird one.
0: It didn't drown, chained to the deck of a ship, did it?
1: No. I don't no. Why I can't let
0: that go. I really dug myself in a hole there, and I'm just kind of doubling down by bringing it up again. <laughs> What's wrong with me? Uh, but yeah, no, definitely not that. But but also pretty 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 sad tale of woe.
1: Yeah. Uh, just a warning. This is a little. This is a little graphic. Uh, Noel, you and I were talking. Uh, off-stage, off-air, off about this, and we figured it would be the right thing to do. To give you a little bit of a heads-up, just in case uh, this is something that might be triggering for you. So, young Hanno, he's four years old when he arrives in Italy. Uh, the lifespan of his type of elephant, just for comparison, is around 48 years. Wow. You know the lifespan of a hamster, has been? uh I do not, but I imagine it's it's, what is it like 11 years eight no, years six no. years
0: Three? Two? Two? yeah a hamster purchase is basically like a near future heartbreak oh i didn't know this and my kid has this hamster and she didn't know it either and i found that out and i'm like oh no this hamster's like gonna die soon not soon but like in, in a year but maybe if we take really good care of it it'll be the longest living hamster there ever was but yeah lifespan of an elephant way longer than lifespan of a
1: hamster So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. I had a lot of uh land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah, Bonneville. Right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one, and that was a that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I <laughs> I said El Camino and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it too. So, uh, the Monte Carlo And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. so imagine Hanno's got 44 years ahead of him where he would be living kind of like an elephant king. You know what I mean? He is the favorite of one of the most powerful people in the land. However, Hanno only lives to be about seven years old because in 1516, he starts having some trouble breathing and he's clearly not having a good day. He's clearly in pain the doctors are called in because, of course, the Pope is very worried about this. His favorite pet, and the doctors say, "Here's the problem: this this poor guy is constipated, and we know how to fix it." <laughs> yeah, uh, you alluded to this a little bit in the last episode. Maybe
0: teased uh, this particular. Um, medical device uh, and the, the, I don't know if this was like a thing at the time that the humans were getting to but these doctors decided that what this elephant needed was a good old fashioned dose of gold in the butt a suppository you could call it a gold enema I don't know where this practical magic idea came from but yeah it, it, it killed the guy it killed him dead
1: Wait, is that a reference to the film Practical Magic? I've never seen it. I haven't seen it either, but I just—it
0: just just seems like this kind of like magical thinking behind like putting gold up the elephant's uh, rectum would uh, would cure what ails him, and in fact, it did quite the opposite.
1: Yeah, sadly, these types of enemas were a, a somewhat common treatment at the time. You know what I mean? It's not like the doctors were just sort of freestyling on what they could do because we, we have to remember you know if they didn't do their level best there might be consequences for them as well so we know the doctors were really trying to treat him but surely these gold enemas didn't like kill everyone did,
0: did hano just i'm sorry i'm laughing this is sad did hano just have a particularly bad reaction allergic to gold perhaps i know that's a thing
1: we're we're unclear, but it definitely was it definitely wasn't helping him. He was probably misdiagnosed or something. You know, medicine then was very different from medicine today for humans, sure. let alone exotic animals. Right. And so on June eighth, fifteen sixteen, with the Pope of the Catholic Church at his side, heartbroken, huh. Hanno passes away.
0: Yeah. Um, and he got Raphael. Uh the great artist and my personal favorite Ninja Turtle. I know most people really? tend to favor Michelangelo. I'm oh. a Raphael guy. Um, at least in the cartoon. He was kind of a dick in the movie.
1: He was kind of a dick in the cartoons. What are you talking well, about? I guess
0: you're right. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering the Ninja <laughs> Turtles and their uh interplay between each other. I remember Leonardo was the smart one. Wait, no, is that Donatello? Uh, never
1: mind. Don I'm a Donatello through and through uh just growing up as a bookish nerd. Uh, and then, you know, I got a little bit of Leonardo in me, but he's more like the Cyclops of their X-Men. You yes. know what I he's mean? he's like and, the
0: leader. He's, he takes it for the team at, at every turn. And
1: Raphael's like the Wolverine.
0: Raphael's the rogue. I kind of think I like that about him. And Michelangelo is just like a stoner. He's a party dude. He's real good. With, yeah, but partying in the Ninja Turtles world doesn't mean the same thing as partying in the human world, does it? They just like to eat pizza and goof around.
1: God, man. Oh... The nostalgia washes over us. Yeah. So, Raphael painted a memorial
0: fresco. Sorry, that's the thing that I was getting to before I went on a Ninja Turtle uh, rabbit hole there. Yeah, Raphael, the great artist, painted a, uh, a fresco in memoriam for uh, Hano, the, uh, the elephant, and best friend of Pope Leo X.
1: And p- the Pope knew what was up with Raphael's uh, work process, and so he said, Look, you're going to paint this fresco, and it needs to be you, Raphael, not your assistant. I know what you've been doing. Kind of the same way that uh, Morgan Freeman has that stand in VO guy that will impersonate him if you sure. can't afford Morgan Freeman VO prices. So he did that. He said, It has to actually be Raphael. And it's a pretty. It,
0: it, it's, Do we know who's pictured there? I say, I, I'm surely it's the Pope who's sitting on top, right? He's riding the elephant, and then there's somebody like cradling his trunk. Unclear. Unclear. A mystery woman, and yeah, I, I would only have to assume that this is the Pope. Which uh, I know it's hard to tell with the uh, the scale, but it seems like a. does he seem really small or really large, Ben? I'm I'm the proportions seem a little off. <laughs> not to not to nag Raphael. But um, it is beautiful and very detailed and uh, a very uh, noble depiction of, of this
1: uh, beast. Yeah, sadly, the actual fresco was destroyed later during a modernization project. But you can, what what we're talking about is a copy someone made of the fresco, which is why it looks like a drawing. Ah,
0: that makes sense. What was a fresco? That's when you like paint in like wet plaster, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, done rapidly in watercolor on a wall or a ceiling and when the reason you do it on the wet plaster is because it, it penetrates the plaster it's
0: almost like the art equivalent of like doing the new york times crossword and pen
1: <laughs> in a way yeah i think that's I it's think like that look at me
0: cool. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it obviously has a look and it's good for like architectural painting and stuff mm-hmm. but uh i i anyway um but yeah it, it it's it's sad that it did i, I bet that happens a lot uh, things like that getting lost to, to history um, mm-hmm. in a city just chock full of, of this kind of
1: history. Here's the here's the crazy thing. So there are two crazy things about this. One, uh, well, okay. First crazy thing, there's a little bit of mysticism involved here because a little, like not too long before Hato passes away, there was a Franciscan monk who was traveling through the land. He had 20,000 followers, and as he was traveling through the land, he predicted the deaths of a number of church leaders, up to and including Pope Leo X. And he also, this monk, prophesied the death of Hanno and Hanno's keeper. And the elephant died during that time frame, the monk was guessing. So did Hanno's keeper although people paid way more attention to the death of the elephant than they did to this human being. And then the second weird thing is that, and we teased this a little bit when we talked about the poetry, uh, Hanno was the subject of a lengthy epitaph written by none other than Pope Leo himself. So he's commemorated in this fresco, and the Pope himself takes the day off or a long night to write the epitaph, and I was thinking maybe we could maybe we could read this and split it up. What do you think?
0: Yeah, yeah, we can do our, our respective pope papal voices. <clears throat> Under the great hill I lie a buried, mighty elephant, which the King Manuel, having conquered the Orient. Sent as a captive to Pope Leo Tenth, at which the Roman people marveled, a beast not seen for a long time, and in my brutish beast they perceived human feelings. Fate envied me, my residence in the blessed Lathium, and had not the patience to let me serve my master a full three years. Which one? Unpack that a little
1: bit. I don't understand what any of this means. It's from the perspective of Hanno.
0: Oh, my God. I'm such a dumb... Okay, carry on, Ben. Thank okay. you for clarifying that. Good man.
1: But I wish, oh, gods, that the time which nature would have assigned to me and destiny stole away, You will add to the life of the great Leo. He lived seven years. He died of angina. He measured 12 pounds in height. Giovanni Battista
0: I'm sorry, he buried the lead there a little bit. He died of angina. I love that the cause of death isn't, isn't angina just like chest pains? I didn't think he could die of chest pains. That had to, like, escalate. But anyway.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's it's weirdly specific. And, of course, we're translating, by we the are, way. We <laughs> this is are. We're, is we're, we're doing it. We're translating live right <laughs> now
0: uh, from the Pope's uh, Italian pen to our uh bad italian voices okay here we go privy chamberlain to the pope and provost of the custody of the elephant has erected this in 1516 wait that's just what is that that's just like a like a a footnote this is like just explaining like like what the thing was this is not in the pope's voice so take all that back but leave it all in I'll just, I'll continue, uh, has erected this in 1516, the 8th of June, in the fourth year of the pontificate, Leo the 10th. That which nature has stolen away, Raphael of Urbino, with his art,
1: has restored. Oh, my God. Such butt-kissing. Both cheeks. Jeez. Seriously. I mean, Raphael's a big deal. I I, I get it. Uh, this is really interesting, because if we do want to explore a little bit of this, we see that they're acknowledging what's called anthropomorphization, which is when we ascribe human emotions or intellect uh, or or motives to non-human animals. And what's so prescient about this is that whatever kind of interactions the Pope was having with Hanno They had clearly persuaded him that Hano was possessed of great intelligence. And later studies over the centuries uh, have found that elephants are brilliant, like they're crazy intelligent. They do a couple of things that very few other animals, including humans, can do. Like they seem to be self-aware. You can find elephants painting things. There's that one story, which is not completely verified, about an elephant rescuer who passed away, sadly, uh, and only for his home and his grave to be visited by all the elephants he had saved. And they went through this journey to come find him. And to this day, again, I'd, I'd have to dig in and get the details. But to this day, no one knows how the elephants knew. Like, it's, it's so amazing to me that that fact remains true today the same way it remained true in the 1500s and the pope who as you can imagine has some pretty definitive opinions on what is humanity and what is intelligence and what is a soul the pope was like this is my guy it's my
0: favorite podcast hot takes with the pope it's a, it's you know he's definitely got got some opinions that guy. Um, I gotta say too, Ben, you know though uh, re the elephant's intelligence. I mean, look at that cool trick he did with the trunk, man, and the <clears throat> genuflecting. You know, and the old <clears throat> an elephant never forgets thing. Is that isn't that? Remember? Okay, somewhat spoiler for uh, the Watchmen TV series. Maybe fast forward thirty seconds if you don't want to hear this. Um, there's a part where one of the characters has ingested somebody else's memories and has to basically have like a psychic stomach pumping of some sort and wakes up connected to an elephant. And it has something to do, they don't ever explain it, but the assumption is that it has something to do with restoring her memories.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I recall that part. Yeah, elephants have a prodigious memory. And there's another thing we tease that we promised we didn't forget about, Remember, we said that Hanno was more than a pet and Hanno may have played a, a part in some uh, hugely important religious and political events. It turns out the tragic story of Hanno may have been part of the spark that led to the Protestant Reformation. Because, what? look, yeah, because look, Pope Leo is Pope Leo. The 10th is not like, you know, your friendly neighborhood pope these days. By friendly neighborhood Pope, I, I guess I mean Pope Francis. <laughs> There's only one Pope right now. Uh, so back in the day, the old Popes, as we may have explored in previous episodes, were occasionally very hedonistic. Uh, I don't want to say depraved people, but they were like party animals in a way that would have seemed pretty hypocritical to your average Catholic peasant who had never visited the Vatican. Pope Leo X was known for like, going on these wild regular parties every weekend. It's like an episode of MTV Cribs or, you know, uh, a music video or pimp my ride. Perhaps remember mm-hmm. that
0: one with exhibit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We put the thing in your thing. Cause you like the thing, right? That's like, the one.
0: Yeah. The thing thing. Um, Yeah, man, that's fascinating. I told you there was going to be some political twists and turns uh, brought on by this elephant. So we've delivered on that. I believe we've delivered on uh, gold enemas. Um, Didn't realize at the time that that would be the cause of the tragic demise of our hero, Hanno, the albino elephant. Really quickly, we haven't really discussed this. When we say albino elephant, do we mean like literally like no pigment, like, like stark white? Is that how this elephant would have appeared?
1: It's interesting. I was wondering about this, too, because there are some um, pigmentation differences uh, among elephants in general. I I was thinking about this, about uh, one in 20,000 people have albinism, but about one in 70 people carry the recessive gene that causes it. And so we know they're not, uh, it's not like a distinct kind of elephant. It's not a distinct species. It's just a rare genetic expression. You know what I mean? I see.
0: I see. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. No, that's what I figured. I mean, in terms of, yeah, uh, you know, like, uh, like, what are those, uh, the Edgar Winter? Remember the Edgar Winter
1: group? He was an albino, wasn't he? Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. He had albinism as well. But man, that guy was a prodigy. I was just, I, it's weird that you mentioned that because I was listening to that just a few weeks ago. He's a synth lord is what he is. You heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? I miss it. So, uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. But totally. It, it still was like, uh, a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now. and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. This is the thing, though. Because the Protestants or the people will become Protestant reformers are already angry at what they see as the excesses of the church, the fact that Pope Leo now has a special pet elephant from India, it's named Hanno, it became one of their go-to examples of how hypocritical the church had become. And they were like, you know, oh, people are starving, being impressed. And this guy with his fancy hat who tells us he's in charge of all religion is out here partying with his elephant. They're entirely uh, disconnected from the real world. And then satirists kind of start using that as a bit or as a foundation for for their future works, the same way that uh, Saturday Night Live might take a quote from a, uh, I don't know, like a a dumb quote from a celebrity or a politician and make a sketch about it. That's why you see these German satirists of the time start uh, criticizing and, and mocking the Pope for the elephant, which he seemed to genuinely love, by the way.
0: Totally. No, he really did. He seemed uh, genuinely heartbroken. And, you know, it takes a lot to pull that kind of flowery poetry out of a pope. That's not true. They usually speak pretty flowerily. Um, but, yeah, interesting. Very interesting in human story. Um, because you think of the pope as being this, like, larger-than-life kind of, you know, uh, (laughs) lays on to the almighty or whatever, Um, godlike, maybe not godlike, but one, you know, is is treated as such, you know, by followers. Um, And this, uh, even though it's like a totally weird, exotic, flexy kind of pet to have, um, you got to respect the man's love for Hano, the albino elephant.
1: And with this in mind, we, we reach our epilogue. Most of uh, the satirists said that Hanno was dismembered and the bits of his body were handed out to favorite members of the church, kind of like uh, the relics of saints. But what really happened is that most of Hanno's body stayed in the Vatican. His tusks, which uh, this is very brutal, but his tusks are super valuable, right? So they're removed and stored elsewhere. But the rest of him was buried beneath that courtyard where he had lived, the Belvedere Court. And his bones were rediscovered by those construction workers, and they lay there today. What do you mean they lay there today?
0: They're still they're, they're still there. They didn't they didn't uh, they didn't disinter them and put them together like as some kind of cool like
1: elephant uh, like museum piece. That's a that's a good question. So as of twenty fifteen, the bones were still there. Huh. Interesting. I would have thought
0: surely they would have uh, done something interesting with them, like put them in a cool box in the library, at the very least.
1: But okay, right on. Good to know. And just because this physical personality had passed away doesn't mean that Hanno's legacy was gone. There were still portraits of him around that circulated through Europe. You can see some in a museum in Oxford today, at least four of them. Uh, You can see other artistic tributes Toward this white elephant, uh, and, and you know it can be a little tricky to speculate the provenance of those or what inspired what, uh, but you know you'll you'll see notable impressions that clearly Hanno made on the culture of the time and the years that followed after his death. In fact, Pope Alexander VII was uh, so impressed by a a Hanno-inspired elephant sculpture designed by Gian Lorenzo Bernini, the foremost artist of the time, that the Pope said, I'm going to celebrate Manuel I and the, the gift of Hanno that he gave us uh, by saying the following. And he said, every Portuguese citizen who's in Rome right now can drink for free at any public house in town, which is basically a bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a legend. And that's supposed—that's said to be... <laughs> this is so weird. And we don't know. Italian speakers check us on this. But that is said to be, or rumored to be, the origin of the Italian expression fare il português, to make like a Portuguese, which means, idiomatically, to show up somewhere uninvited, which I loved, <laughs> by
0: the way. That's like the opposite of the Irish goodbye. It's The Portuguese hello. <laughs> the Portuguese hello. To make like a Portuguese. Make like a Portuguese and come on in. And stay a while. Um, yeah, th- another, th- another little detail we want to add here at the end is remember Raphael, our boy who painted that fresco? Well, apparently Leo X loved it so very much that he really wanted to make Raphael a cardinal. But unfortunately, Raphael expired himself due to a fever caused by uh, a night of sexual excess with his mistress, his uh, very young mistress. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't have a chance to be cardinalized.
1: Oh, man. that's I, I mean, the brightest flames burn briefest, I guess, if we wanted to say something nice in that regard. No, there, there's one question, though, that we definitely have to definitely have to get to and that is does the story of Hanno have something to do with the idea of a white elephant party uh, probably not uh, probably not we know it's been used since the 1800s to refer to something as a less than desirable gift. Mm-hmm. And you've heard of the phrase White Elephant Party. Sure. You know what I I hadn't heard of? I hadn't heard of them being called the Yankee Swap or the Dirty Santa, both of which sound like sexual euphemisms.
0: Oh, yeah. Dirty Santa for sure. But Yankee Swap. Remember that episode of The Office? He says, Yankee Swap. And it, like he, he he gives away the gift that were intended, like people bought gifts specifically for each other. That that only works when, uh, you don't do that. Um, if you just buy a generic gift and then, you know, you're supposed to only spend a certain amount of money. And of course I think Michael gets an iPod and, uh, everyone wants the iPod. And then of course, Jim gets Pam a teapot and it's got special secret, you know, love things inside of it. Uh, but I just remember Michael Scott saying Yankee swap.
1: (laughs) And so, uh, and according to an article from the new york times in 1873 the phrase white elephant refers to something that's impossible to get rid of but too expensive to maintain it would be an enormous financial burden so it make you it, you would go broke trying to you know take care of a white elephant and that that dates back to this legendary story that white elephant gifts began long ago when the king of siam or present day thailand gave an actual white elephant to anyone he disliked. They were rare. They were very expensive to care for. They were also highly respected symbols in Thai and Buddhist culture. So you couldn't get away with putting it to work like a regular elephant. You couldn't just give it to someone else because it might be an insult to the king. So that's where the phrase white elephant comes from. So Hanno may have been genetically related to this stuff, but he, he probably himself was not the inspiration for the phrase. Casey, can we get one of those, like, you? the more you know sound cues? And that's it. That's the story of Hano. I want to hang out with an elephant. I don't think I should. I, I don't think um, they should necessarily be kept as pets. But have you guys ever spent time around an actual elephant, like hung out with it? I rode an elephant.
0: They have that at zoos sometimes or camel rides. And I definitely in Germany when I grew up, I mean, I didn't grow up there. I was lived there till I was six. But I uh, definitely have a distinct memory of riding an elephant and feel like there's a picture somewhere of me on said elephant. How about you, Super Producer Casey Pegram?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen them in zoos and I was lucky enough to see a few on safari in South Africa. Oh, that's right. Just outside the car window. And that's pretty impressive um, sight in person.
0: Also, they, they, there's a good, there's a great elephant situation at the Atlanta Zoo. And I know people have mixed feelings about zoos, but it's my understanding that most of the animals or all the animals at the Atlanta Zoo, like, we kind of rescues and some. I don't know. I, I'm just like a zoo apologist, but uh, the elephants sure are cute.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've uh, I've visited the elephants at the Atlanta Zoo pretty frequently, and I've seen some. Um elephants in in other places uh you know one of the big concerns is just to make sure that they are treated well and uh that their intelligence is acknowledged but i would man i'd love to hear people's stories about any firsthand elephant encounters and casey i can't believe i forgot about your Afropunk adventures that's pretty amazing stuff how long ago was that now that was, I think,
0: 2017 going into 2018 because we were there end of December, beginning of January. So it's been like almost a couple of years. Yeah, didn't you stay for New Year's too and all that? Yeah, oh yeah, New Year's in, in uh, Johannesburg was really impressive. Freaking wild, man! Jealous. Um, I guess that that gets us uh, that takes us home. I feel like this was a justifiable two parter, folks. Just want to put that out there, not to be a two parter apologist, but uh, you know it is what it
1: is. <laughs> I don't think we need to be too apologetic. This is a good one. It gave us a chance to talk about elephants. Uh, we got to do some Pope voices. Overall, I, I had a great time, and, and we hope you had a good time too, folks. Uh, we're going to sew this up quick because we never know when Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. the Quister, uh, is going to... Drop in with you know Is what he now? would have done? It, okay, in, it's now. no No, no, okay, we gotta okay, we have to go okay. really quickly, run through this graveyard. Uh he would have loved to do some Pope <laughs> stuff. He might just do it anyway when he comes on. We can't control him, we can only uh summon him or avoid him. Uh but big thanks to Jonathan Strickland, aka the Quister, big thanks to uh Casey Pope cast Pegram.
0: Huge thanks to uh, Alex Williams, who definitely composed our theme. Uh, sorry, y'all, it's, uh, it's it's 6 o'clock in, on a Friday, and I am fading, need to uh, do the, the old um, post-work uh, homebound happy hour thing. That's going to be fun.
1: Christopher Haciotis, here in spirit. And do check out, of course, our peer podcaster, Eves Jeffcoat. This day in history class is... Fantastic! We love the show. We love her. Hope to have her back on the air soon. Uh, let us know what you think. Of course, thank you to Hannah.
0: May he rest in peace. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: Live Nation presents Concert Week.
0: If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy.